Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This is going to be the episode of Leviticus chapter 12. All right, so we'll get started here. I want to read, first of all, a little introduction to this because this is a little different. Uh, it talks about some uh, Mosaic Law rituals for clean cleanness and uncleanness. So I'll read this little description first. This section of the Levitical Law deals with aspects of what could be called uncleanness in the flesh, due to infections or secretions of the body, including the expulsion of fluids associated with birth, sores or skin infections found with such maladies as leprosy and boils, running infections, the seat of copulation, and menstrual fluids. This part of the law raises some questions in the minds of many readers. The most obvious question is, why should natural bodily functions render one unclean? First, unclean in the mosaic sense did not suggest something disgusting or filthy, nor did it imply that the body or the natural functions of the body, such as childbirth or sexual relations, were inherently evil. The term unclean in this sense, and the following cases, is generally understood in a mere legal sense, the rendering a a person unfit for sacred ordinances. This point is very important to understanding the Lord's relations or revelations on these matters. The ordinances of the Mosaic Law were all designed to symbolize spiritual truths. The more nearly one approached perfection in the performance of the law, the more closely one approached the true symbolic meaning of the ordinance. The physical body and its natural functions remind one that he is of the earth of the physical. Therefore, to say that a man or woman was unclean, that is, not to perform sacred ordinances at certain times, was to suggest to the mind that the natural man must be put aside in order to approach God. There was a similar teaching in the requirement for the high priest. Any person with a physical handicap was barred from being the high priest. God does not view such persons as spiritually inferior. Rather, this requirement was a teaching device. The high priest was a type of Christ, the great high priest, and the requirement for physical wholeness was to typify Christ's perfection. The laws of natural uncleanness should be viewed in a similar light. There were certain practical or sanitary aspects of these laws as well. The strict rules about contact with an infected person or objects with which he had come in contact have modern hygienic parallels. One commentator summed up both aspects in this way. In Canaan, prostitution and fertility rites were all mixed up with with worship. In Israel, by sharp contrast, anything suggesting the sexual or sensual is strictly banned from the worship of God. The intention is not to write off this side of life as dirty as is plain elsewhere in Scripture. The purpose is to ensure its separation from the worship of God. The rule of strict cleanliness in all sexual matters, was also a positive safeguard to health. That was uh, by Alexander and Alexander in Eerdman's Handbook to the Bible, also in the Institute Manual. All right, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days. According to the days of the separation for her infirmity shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day... 
the man-child shall be circumcised, and she shall then continue in time of her, of her purifying, shall she be three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary, until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. But if, if she bear a maid child, she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her separation, and she shall continue in time of her purifying threescore and six days. Why was the time for purification longer if a girl is born than for a boy? Many things in the Mosaic law are puzzling at first, but because clear and understandable, but become clear and understandable upon further investigation. This question, however, is one that seems to have no key at present for its correct interpretation. An obvious implication quickly taken up by some modern critics is that this rule is a reflection of the inferior status of women anciently, a status which they regard as supported by the law. This conclusion is fallacious for two reasons. First, elsewhere in the law and the Old Testament, there is evidence that women had high status and their rights were protected. In fact, women appear to have enjoyed considerably more freedom among the Jews than is now allowed them in Western Asia. This reference, uh, or in, in the Encyclopedia Woman, this reference includes numerous scriptural references in support of this statement. Second, these laws were not the product of men's attitudes, but were direct revelation from the Lord. God does not view women as inferior in any way, although the roles of men and women are different. Speculation on why... Speculation on why the Lord revealed different requirements for ceremonial purifying after the birth of male and female children is pointless until further revelation is received on the matter. And that was all out of the Institute Manual. So we don't know why. <laughs> Verse 6, And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath borne a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering and the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Probably not two turtles, but two turtle doves is probably what's meant in verse 8. Okay, that's the end of the chapter 12. Um, I'm hoping that some of that narrative was a little bit helpful in understanding some of this. Anyway, see you next time. Bye.